Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to Gifts for Glory. Thank you so much for joining us, whether you're catching us live right here on Facebook or YouTube, or you're watching the replay on the Creative Motion Network on Roku, or the podcast on the Taken TV Network podcast channel, or wherever you're picking up your podcast. Uh, we thank you for joining us. Uh, please, uh, where possible, like, share, comment, and review. Help people find the show and find the stories of these amazing people that we're able to share each week, week in and week out. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for uh, joining us. Really looking forward to uh, th- this episode. Uh, feel free to leave a comment uh, if you have a comment or question about uh, what we're talking about, what our guests may be talking about. Uh, this show is live right now here on Facebook and YouTube, and we would love your feedback. We love your questions as well. And as we uh, get started, uh, for those of you that maybe are new to the show or uh, are, are, don't know, uh, part of Gifts Glory Ministries is Wellverse Comedy. We're an improv comedy ministry. And we use the gift of laughter and the love of the Lord to spread the joy of the Lord. Uh, We're based in Chicago. Uh, We can tour all over the Midwest. So if you have a church or a ministry that would love to bring in some entertainment, uh, contact us. We'd love to bring clean, family-friendly comedy that's completely interactive. Every show is completely different because it's improvised. It's based as much off of us as it is you, the audience. So uh, reach out to us and let us know if you're interested in talking about bringing us in for an event. Uh, we could be a uh, the entertainment uh, for a speaker, or we can also present the gospel or a testimony as part of our show. Whatever you want to help uh, reach out to people, to encourage them, to bring them closer to the cross of Christ, that's what we want to do. Wellversecomedy.com, wellversecomedy.com, or email us at improv at wellversecomedy.com. That's improv at wellversecomedy.com. And now let's get on with our Devotions with Dave segment. Today's devotion with Dave's segment is actually coming from the shortest verse in the Bible. Uh, depending on your translations, it's uh, either two, three, or four words. Uh, even the amplified version, which tends to take uh, a, a verse uh, that's the size of a molehill, make a mountain out of it. Uh, even in the amplified, amplified version, it's only two words. Uh, so this word, uh, verse is John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Now, why would I pick this as a devotional verse? Because this passage, this verse, these two words tell us a mountain of information. Um, Number one, Jesus experienced emotions. Because he was fully God and fully man, he was able to experience emotions. So we should never be afraid of our emotions. We should never feel like our emotions are sinful. What happens is sometimes we let our emotions have too much control and we allow our emotions to become almost an idol in our lives. But the fact that we experience an emotion, that in of itself is not a sin. So I know that a lot of people feel like, if I get angry, I've sinned. Not necessarily. Emotions, even the emotion of fear, that is something that God has given us to elicit a response. And if that response draws you closer to God, then it's working. If it drives you further from God, then you've allowed it to become something that's potentially sinful. So that's one of the things we learn. Number two, Jesus, 
he was not a wimp. He was not weak. He was not soft. He was tender, but he wasn't soft. So he, he, he grew up a carpenter. He was a strong, manly man. And he shows us that as a manly man, as a manly man of God, it is okay to weep. It is okay to show emotion. It is okay to weep and mourn with those who are mourning. The next thing I also want to say is that he experienced all this and he went through all this fully knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus because this was when Mary and Martha and and, and the whole family was together just weeping over the, the passing of Lazarus. Jesus wept with them. He knew and he still had the hope of the resurrection of Lazarus. He still had the hope, of course, of God in everlasting life, but he still wept. So I want to encourage you today, don't be afraid of your emotions. Don't be afraid to experience them, but don't let them control you. Let them be a catalyst. Let them be a catalyst to a response. So, you know, there I went for a few minutes. It's amazing what you can do when you dive into the word and just think about what it really says. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. So much we can take from every morsel there in the Bible. So uh, that was our Devotions with Dave segment. Thank you so much for uh, checking us out. And uh, now it's time to bring in our guest at this time. Uh, Scott, he's an actor. He's a magician, a filmmaker, a roundtable host. Uh, he's also a part-time Italian plumber. Uh, <laughs> he joins us to talk about faith, magic, film, and we probably will get into some discussion of one of our mutual favorites, Vindication. Uh, you can connect with Scott at greatscottmagician.com, or you can link uh, to his different Facebook pages, uh, the Great Scott uh, uh, Facebook page, the Mario Players Facebook page, as well as the uh, 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 Facebook page for his uh, short film, Lucifer and the Father. All those links are in our show notes. So at this time, please welcome our guest of this time, the Great Scott Scott, welcome to the Gifts of Glory podcast. Hello, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, when you did that description and that introduction, a part-time Italian plumber, I really hope I'm not going to get any requests for people to actually fix my fix their plumbing because I don't know anything about plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I probably hey. should just take a moment to explain what you meant by that. I yeah, do was... uh, one of my specialties is impersonating Mario from the Mario Brothers for kids' parties. So. Apparently, yeah. it's a voice I can do very well. So, you know, I dress up in the whole thing and it's a lot of fun. So, so do you actually go around chasing turtles and trying to find coins? No, 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 I don't. No, no, I actually, I just went, I had this here just in case this came up and we were right up at the gate with it. This is my Mario hat right here. See that? And this is my uh, Super Deluxe Mario COVID mask. See? Hello, Hi. I'm a Mario. How are you? It's nice to see you. Thank you for having me here on the Gifts for Glory. It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Now, do you have an evil twin? I have no. I don't have an evil twin. <laughs> do you have the hat and the mask to switch back and forth? What do you mean? Uh, between Wario, the evil oh, no, twin of like Mario. 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 <laughs> I don't like Mario. <laughs> okay, I, I, I had to ask. Uh, you're yeah. also a, a magician, and we were talking before we went on the air that there are many that might think that. Being a, a man of God and uh, a magician might be at odds with each other, but you know, being a magician and a Christian really don't live in a world of conflict because it can go hand in hand, or maybe hand in sleight of hand. That's true. That's true. Well, one thing we were discussing before we started is one verse that I will always open. I do shows for churches, but I also do shows for like private parties and people and stuff like that because 
And the reason I do that is because of 1 Peter 4.10. 1 Peter 4.10 says that you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others administrating God's grace in its various forms. Which is one of the reasons why I got drawn to your show, because it was called Gifts for Glory. That's basically what I, I live my life by. I mean, anytime I will go out to, like, for example, The Reconciler, which is right here on my um, wall. I apologize that you guys have to see my front door here. The uh, other side of my apartment had some plumbing problems that we can't show on camera. <laughs> but um, So again, anyway. we, we're reiterating the fact that you're only Mario. You're not an actual plumber. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, things like pursuing projects like that and Lucifer and the Father, I've tried to tell people in the past, you know, I have been misunderstood sometimes, you know, as trying to, you know, make a name for myself. And maybe sometimes I've gotten, you know, caught up in that. Like you were talking about uh, during your devotional, you know, sometimes your emotions can become what you worship. Sometimes if you're not careful, your dreams can become what you worship or your talents can become what you worship if you're not careful. And I've fallen into those traps. But I really, my life goal is to make sure that I don't end up like the talent who, like the servant who hid his talents away. You know what right. I mean? In the, in the parable of Jesus. That is... That is the one thing I'm not going to be. I will try every idea that comes in my head, and if most of them fail, then I can't stand before God and say I didn't try. One day right. I said I didn't try. And I think that uh, there there is that delicate balance because I, I think the enemy is very good. At, you hear this the phrase often that uh, uh, idle hands are the devil's work workshop, but I also think busy hands can be because he's very good at using your momentum against you and just giving that little nudge to get you off course where you may not notice in the first few steps, but eventually you look back and realize you completely veered. So it's very easy for the enemy to use your emotions, your talents, your gifts in a way that goes against you. If you're not careful, you don't root yourself in the word and you don't root yourself in time oh. in times of prayer. So, uh, yeah, it, it's yeah, okay. That, to that, make Yeah. That's actually in line with what you were asking because, Magic and sleight of hand is not is not evil. It's about how you use it. Like for example, you can you can. I've had so many people say you've made my day because you amazed me, and that's when I feel like I'm doing God's work. But what mm. I never do is if someone is saying you're. I never claim to have any powers. I never have. Uh, I was telling you this before we started. Uh, Penn and Teller are two very famous magicians, both of who are very are both big atheists, mm -hmm. but they have one approach to their magic that I totally agree with. And that's the fact that uh, you don't need a cover story. You don't, you don't um, tell it. Penn even said one time, if you tell the audience that what they're seeing is real magic, you're making them complicit in a lie you're telling them. Hmm. And uh, that's one thing that I They always are upfront with what they're doing is fake or is a trick. And that's one approach I do. I, don't, I always tell people, I always tell people beforehand, there's one line I love to, I love to use. If I'm doing a birthday, one time a long time ago, I was doing a birthday party and there was a very smart kid in the front row probably about eight years old, and he yells out, hey, I saw what you're doing. You're cheating. Let me tell you something right now. Telling a magician he's cheating is like telling a surgeon that he's operating. Right. <laughs> it's what we do. This is all cheating. None of it is real. None of the stuff that I'm going to show you here tonight is real magic. It's all sleight of hand, so to speak. Very good. And it and for me, magic, it, it, uh, when it's done like with pure motives, even if it's not a, by a Christian, but when it's done purely and not as a way to exalt oneself or to say, I am the great magnificent, what's the, you know, whatever. It's very similar to pro wrestling. You kind of go knowing that there's a trick, there's a sleight of hand, there's a story being told, there's something for fun. Mm -hmm. You don't go to the wrestling match 
to yell out, oh, that's fake, unless the guys are just not caring about what they're doing. Right. Very similar, you don't go to see Spider-Man No Way From Home and yell, oh, Tom Holland's not actually hanging from that building. No, you go for the entertainment. You go for exactly. the distraction. So I, um, You ever heard of the movie The Prestige? Yes. My favorite line, uh, it's not my favorite movie, but I think my favorite line in a movie ever is at the end of that movie when Hugh Jackman says, the audience knows the truth, but if you can fool them for just a second, you get to see something very special. And I've tried to impress upon people. There maybe would have been a time that I liked being the center of attention, that I liked all eyes on me, to borrow a phrase from a rapper that I never listened to. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you really, in some ways, I feel blessed to see providing that look on someone's faces of amazement is just, it's not about being smarter than them. It's not about one-upping them. It's about providing that wonder. Yeah. Providing that smile. And stuff and you know god can i actually came to know the lord because of another at another christian magician's performance believe it or not and um there was one point that i actually realized that christian magicians can be a very big weapon and a real big threat to the enemy because what is more a threat to the enemy than a believer who knows how deceivers think mm, wow that's powerful. In some ways, it's kind of like being a soldier who has the enemy's plate uh, battle plans. Exactly. Like, for example, I know how to lift a person's watch. I would never steal a person's watch, but I know how to do it. How do you do it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I'm not going to give away it here because it actually is used in a couple magic tricks. But I'm talking about magic tricks where the magician will lift the person's watch and then the watch will appear something later and they give it back to the person. Right, But those skills, as we know, can be misused. And therein yeah. lies the difference between using your gift for entertainment and using your gift to steal and profit from it. Sure. Now, you uh, alluded to a moment ago uh, that uh, you, uh, you have some uh, tricks ready, uh, some, uh, yes, some examples ready. Um, let me yeah, but first up. I have to make sure that you can see them all. I have a test trick here real quickly. This is the test trick that I always do because sometimes I'm on a big stage, sometimes I'm on a small stage. All right? This is the smallest coin the U.S. government makes by size, not by value. I'm sorry, by value, not by size. What would that be? Uh, penny. You're right. Now, Dave, can you see this penny okay? Yes. Okay. Now, if I want a big stage, this would be harder to see, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what would I do under those circumstances? I would reach into my pocket for this. What's this? Magnifying glass. Right. And then I would put the magnifying glass over the penny and yell at you in the back row and say, can you see it now? Of course, then you could because the penny would be much bigger because of the magnifying glass. Very nice. I like it. So you can see that a whole lot better now. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. One thing magicians have to do to keep their dexterity is exercises with their fingers. Now, this is called this is a finger fitness exercise called either the steeplechase or walking the dog, depending on which magician you're talking to. And basically, it's an exercise where you roll a coin across your fingers to keep your dexterity. You might have seen Mel Gibson do this in um, uh, Maverick with a poker chip. Yeah. Normally, you need a 50-cent piece to do this, but this is one of the few pennies you can do with. But I'm guessing that even in a small auditorium, people would have trouble seeing this. Right. What do you do under those circumstances? Well, it's really quite simple. You do this right here. Nice. All right. Bigger, Mm -hmm. Bigger penny. Usually, inflation works the other way. That's true. And here's something magicians have been doing for years. 
You know what that's called? Throwing in your two cents. And the best part about that trick is after you do it, you can't say great Scott has no sense. All right. Very now, cool. Would you like to see a demonstration of how you can use a trick to be um, to teach a gospel message or to teach a very simple gospel concept? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see it. All right. Now, one rule of magic other than don't give your secrets away is don't do the same trick twice. So sorry to disappoint everybody out there. I'm not going to make this dollar bill bigger. I already did that trick. Okay. All right. Now, this dollar bill is going to represent something for this. I want you guys to get a close look at it here. So I'm going to get a little closer to the camera. This bill right here is going to represent the love of our Lord, because you were talking in your in your devotional about how sometimes we think that if we get angry, we've sinned or something like that. And I don't think we realize sometimes how perfect God's love is and how unbreakable it is. Well, I'm going to use this dollar bill to demonstrate that. Now, normally, when you would do this, you would borrow a bill from somebody from the audience to make sure that it's not rigged. Now, since you and I are together virtually, I couldn't borrow a dollar from you. Right. So how am I going to prove that this isn't a rigged dollar bill? Here's how. Dave, I've got three magic markers here. We have not prearranged this. Is that right? Correct. Tell me a color. Uh, we'll go blue. Okay. Now, tell me something you want me to write on the face of this bill so we will know that I couldn't have rigged this somehow. Uh, just put Scott. Okay, fair enough. All right. All right, and I just did that freehand. So I think yeah. we can all agree that I can't do a bill switch here somehow. Right. Everybody will know this is the same bill the whole time. Now, over here, I didn't use this pen because it wouldn't have shown up on camera otherwise. Okay? Now, right. sometimes I will do a joke. One thing that magicians will sometimes say that they are is mind readers. But let me tell you right now, magicians can't read minds. They make you know, they know how to think you, make you think that you they can read your minds mm -hmm. and this is how they do it they basically make you think what they want you to think so it looks like they're reading their mind their minds let me demonstrate dave i'm going to read your mind in just a couple of seconds you're going to be thinking man i'm glad that bill's not mine now are you happy this bill's not yours yeah see i made you think what i wanted you to think so it looked like i was reading your mind but no <laughs> That's not that's not basically the way this works. You can see it going right through. It even goes right through the Scott that I wrote on there that you told me to write on there, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. But do you remember how I said that this bill represents the love of God, right? Right. Jesus is the same yesterday, the same, and tomorrow. And he went to the cross for us. And his love <laughs> is unbreakable. Huh. That happened. Yes, it did. Neither one of us have, you know, high quality video equipment. You're using a phone. I'm using a laptop. Uh, so that was not CGI. No, it was not. Now, I have something else here on the table I can show you. That you were asking me about, um, you know, getting around what people say about magic. Um, one thing that I should tell you is, is that uh, not only when it comes to churches, but when it comes to doing birthday parties. The one trick that every magician kind of is expected to do at some point is card tricks. You'll mm -hmm. notice I even have cards on my tie here. Yeah. But if you want to make a living at being a magician, I would say probably 75 to 80% of the time I'm performing for children. And I cannot remember the last time I met a five-year-old who knew the difference between a club, a diamond, a heart, and a spade. Mm -hmm. And even though there are even churches that will allow you to be a Christian magician, 
that will say that playing cards should be nowhere near the church because they represent gambling. Right. Like a lot of stuff, I say it's not what you what it is; it's what you do with it. <laughs> okay. Right. Cards are just cards with ink printed on them. Okay. If you use them for gambling, that's fine. If you use them for something else, that's fine too. But still, the bigger issue was the fact that kids didn't know the different suits. However, kids do know colors and numbers. Mm-hmm. So I do my card tricks with Uno cards rather than playing cards. And this basically solves the problem for when I'm in a situation where people don't want playing cards. Now, can you see the number on there? Yeah. What it's number is a, it? It's a uh, red eight. It's a red eight. And I was going to ask you what color it was. Okay. Now, if you were taking a look through the Bible, do you know what's, not, do you know what's a number that would appear quite a bit? I'll give you a hint. It comes right before eight. Seven. Seven. Some actually say that seven is God's number because it's a perfect number. Now, people wonder how you do card tricks. People think you need to train your hands for years to get the cards to do what you want. When, in fact, you train the cards to do what you want. And I've trained this Uno deck to locate all four sevens in an Uno deck. Now, in order to locate any card, you need a locator card. And we're going to use this wild card as a locator card because wild cards can be anything. Now, I'm going to set this down for just a second to show you this scarf here. Nothing on this side and nothing on this side, correct? Okay. I'm going to pick the glass back up. Whoops. Dave, do you see that wild card there? You see it, David? Watch. The first seven that I think appears in the Bible is God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Hmm. Nice. Okay. So that, that's why you picked the green seven, because that's when he made no, the earth. No, no. <laughs> that, that, that actually might work. You never know. Okay. <laughs> now, are you familiar with the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho? Yeah. I love that story. You want to know why? I grew up in a household that proved that if you yelled out enough, the walls came down. <laughs> yeah. Thank All you. right. I think that's kind of a lame joke. Thank you for laughing at that, though. But if you remember that story, six days they marched around Jericho, and then on the seventh day they marched seven times. Very nice. Wild cards tend to get tired after locating a card or two, so we need to find another one here. Ah, this is a good locator card. The card that everybody loves to get, but everybody hate that everybody hates to get, but everybody loves to dish out. The draw for wild. Many families have split over that card. Yes, that is true. One thing that it says in the Bible is, is that it talks about forget. Jesus talks a lot about forgiving your enemies. And he says, and when someone says to him, how many times should we forgive your enemies? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. Times. Yep. Now, as I've done this, you notice that I did the green seven first because you pointed it out. What color was the second seven? Uh, blue. And what color was the one I just popped up there? Yellow. Yellow. You know what? There's an actor named Nicolas Cage. He actually appeared in one of the Left Behind remakes. I remember him saying in an interview once on the Jay Leno show <coughs> that seven was his lucky number because anytime he saw a seven somewhere, something lucky would happen to him. Well, ever since the day I saw that interview, I've always ended this trick in one way, and that is by having the red seven come up last. Hmm. Because red is the color of the blood of Jesus, which is the only thing that can save you and not some lucky number. Wow. Very nice. Thank you. Very cool. 
So for those uh, listening, uh, uh, find out more about our, our guest, uh, The Great Scott, at greatscottmagician.com uh, for booking. Also links to uh, his other pages. Um, okay. And there's uh, something else uh, that you do. You also make uh, – or before I go any further, did you have another trip, or was that what you had? I do have other ones here, but we don't have to do them all at once. If you want to come back to another one later, we can. Okay. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on. Let's talk about filmmaking. I know that uh, you uh, – uh, you have a, a film that's uh, uh, either out or getting ready to come out, uh, Lucifer and the Father. Uh, I should clarify something here. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to um, uh, correct you because I didn't want to be picky. I am technically not a filmmaker. I could never direct a film. I'm actually a writer. Okay. I'm a writer. There is a difference between shooting a film and making and uh, writing a film. So yeah. I'm actually I'm an I'm an idea guy, and I write scripts, and then Sean Justice takes my uh, choppy pieces of whatever you want to call them and turns them into masterpieces. So, and Reconciler was the first film that we made, and it was, it was um, a dream come true to make it. It was actually born out of a tragedy. Uh, Sean Justice's second oldest son very tragically died in, a, in an accident in a camp. Hmm. And uh, long story short, some settlement money was awarded to him and his family, and he only wanted to do things to honor his son Caleb's memory. So hmm. if you look at the credits of Reconciler, the only executive producer is Caleb Justice because the movie was financed with that. We were actually trying to make another film that we're still trying to make called The Twin Master. That, okay. um, and uh, we wound up making this one instead. And we were on the verge of trying to do a crowd because uh, I think The Chosen had just had its first season. And, you know, every, I think everybody saw The Chosen and said, you know, hey, if he can do crowdfunds, so can I. Mm-hmm. So we decided to, after looking for investor after investor and having a whole bunch of false starts, I talked Sean into, why don't we do a uh, Kickstarter to try to finance the Twin Master? And two weeks before we were going to launch it, the pandemic hit. Mm. So we decided not to waste our, waste that. And to be honest with you, that's one thing that actually, good thing that actually came out of it. Because it allowed me to think about, because I was upset like everybody was. Sure. You know, the, I, I don't think there's anybody who was happy when the pandemic hit. So I think it's probably an obvious statement. But <clears throat> it got me asking, you know. What could we make and stay within the guidelines that were being put in place at the time? And I had this idea for a movie that was Bible-based and had to do with uh, how Lucifer and God were involved in certain situations. And I found out that the way that you do a crowdfund on VidAngel, which is where The Chosen got made, is you have to have a short film shot first. Mm, Okay. And I had this skit that I had written for my church, which was... The inspiration from it was actually kind of interesting. I don't know if you've ever heard of the movie Heat with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. Have you, now, if you've heard of it, you know what the big scene in that movie is, the five-minute scene right in the middle, where they're, they're a cop and a robber, and they have a conversation at a diner, like, uh, and Pacino puts it two regular fellas. And the two of them playing this game of verbal tennis is, like, considered a great piece of cinema. Hmm. I don't know how it happened, but one day I'm just watching that, and I'm like, hey, what if that were God and the devil? And I wrote a skit for my church. Fast forward to the pandemic's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to do something with Sean, and there was an actor in The Reconciler named Bob Shepard. He's actually very well known as the hearing aid commercial guy. <laughs> He's been yeah. in a couple Christian films. He had wanted to work with us again, but we had a whole bunch of false starts with him being involved in projects, and I thought that he would... He, he's a guy with some mileage on him. He has a very gentle voice. And I thought, you know, if you're ever going to have a human other than George Burns or Morgan Freeman play God, he would be, he would be great at it. And 
it's very easy to be evil, so I decided to cast myself as Lucifer. So yeah. I play Lucifer, Bob Shepard plays the father, and it's about what if basically uh, God went to Lucifer and said, we need to talk, and invited him to like sit down for a cup of coffee. He moves him around some too, but we shot that last June, financed completely on a Indiegogo crowdfund, and uh, we're hoping that it's, once it's done, it's get, we're going to be uh, shipping it around to all of the Christian uh, uh, film festivals this year. And uh, hopefully we can take a, uh, I know we're both fans of the show Vindication. Oh, yeah. yeah. In, some, in some ways, we're kind of, I'm kind of uh, taking a page from Jared's playbook, only I'm doing it intentionally. Uh, this, this is a short film that could stand alone or could serve as a sequel pilot to a miniseries we want to make that would show God and Lucifer involved in different Bible stories. Okay. Nice. So, I like it. So the uh, the link uh, is in the show notes and is on, on our screen right now, uh, facebook.com slash Lucifer dash and the, the father. Uh, you can search for it, Lucifer and the father on Facebook, or look for the link in the show notes. Um, and you're involved in a lot of projects. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the Mario players that uh, you, you play Mario. Uh, you're also a magician. Um, so how did you get into the Mario players? Uh, and is oh. that faith-based or is that uh, just strictly a uh, side thing that you do? That, that's, that's a side thing. Although I will say that my best friend, uh, Ben Neal, who plays Luigi, he's the worship leader of our church. So we're, so the two main guys who are involved in it, we are believers. And, uh, but the Mario players in some ways has evolved into a way that you can be a, uh, at least for me and Ben can be a uh, light to the world, so to speak, because the Mario aspect of it was actually an accident. Hmm. Okay. I didn't set out. To, I'm not this mad Nintendo fan who decided to set out to do this show with a whole bunch of people playing Mario characters. It started out as something I wanted to create the a team of entertainment was what I called it. Remember the A-team with Mr. T and George Papard yeah. and everything like that? You know how each guy on the team had a different skill? Yeah. You never see an entertainment group like that. You never see an entertainment group where one person does something. You, I almost thought you could have like a group of people who were a self-contained variety show. Okay. You know what I mean? I like, like it. There's, there's sketch comedy groups. You know about those. Yeah. There's singing groups. You know what I mean? But I've never seen an A-team. I wanted to create a group where everybody did something different. I tried to market that and it failed miserably. I realized you needed a theme to tie it all together. And right. uh, during the pandemic, I came up with the idea of playing Mario characters because I had stumbled onto the, I'd, I'd been working with this company that was doing human characters visiting kids out in their yard, uh, like during the pandemic. And they were all princesses who were wearing COVID masks. And I was like, okay, what human character do I look like? <laughs> And uh, I was like, oh, I can do a Mario's voice. I kind of look like a Mario. I know I can do <laughs> and, uh, But then I found the Mario mask that I was just wearing, you know, with the mustache. And I've, I've, never, really, I've never really liked cosplaying with fake mustaches because they're just so itchy. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest here. You think any human being can duplicate Mario's smile? I don't think so. No. <laughs> so basically, the idea of the Mario players is each one of us is a different Mario character, but each one of us has a different performance art. Mario's the magician. I mentioned that Ben, my best friend, plays Luigi as our worship leader, so he sings and he plays his guitar. All right. We just brought in a guy uh, named Danny who is a phenomenal juggler, and he plays Waluigi. And then our actress who plays Princess Peach, she's a face painter and a temporary tattoo person. So each person does something different. And so this evolved into the way we introduced the show as we go. 
I have a Mario and I'm a Luigi. And I'm sure you all know about this in the, in the Mario world. But you know what Nintendo is great at? They're great at telling you all the things that we do the same that we're great at. I mean, plumbing, oh, that's a snap for us, you know? Oh, rescuing beautiful princesses, we could do that in our sleep. Overthrowing reptilian dictators, that is a snap. But they don't <laughs> tell you what we are good at that is different. Like, I'm a magical Mario. Luigi is the musical Mario. But he can't do a magic, and I can't play guitar. So we thought, wouldn't it be great in this world where people are divided over differences these days, to put together a show that celebrated our differences and brought them together. So that is what the message of the Mario players is. Nice. I like that. And it brings different uh, gifts into the fold and, and uses them together, which is uh, pretty much what God does on a much larger scale, is bringing all the gifts that people are willing to give and willing to let him use and creating something special, especially for kids. Or, kids are just taking the brunt of, of the last two years. Uh, because there's so much confusion, so much angst, and I think people are forgetting that you know the kids need a little bit more stability around them. So having that that respite, I think, is invaluable. So that that's really awesome. One other thing that I should mention about the Mario players, I'm not going to tell you who, but we do. There are not everybody who's in my Mario group are believers, and there's a reason for that. Um, I wanted to do that originally, but no, no. If you're holding out for <laughs> just Christians who have the performance skill level you need to put a show on like this, you could be waiting forever sometimes. Right. And the other reason is because if I didn't let somebody into the show because they don't believe what me and Ben do, then I'm, in some ways, I'm a hypocrite. I'm doing the very opposite of what the show is standing for. Hmm. Interesting. And sometimes, and sometimes, I mean, Christian films will use non-Christian actors and. Uh, the reason for that is because sometimes the audience isn't the only people that are being ministered to. So I'm, I'm a firm believer right. in that. And I think that, uh, or I'm pretty sure that uh, that vindication does the same thing as uh, not everybody on set is a fully engulfed practicing Christian. Uh, but again, that there's opportunities there for Jared and, and those that do believe to pour in and, and invest uh, in, in the, those actors. Um <clears throat> So I do want to I do want to uh, talk to, uh, vindication a little bit because that is, it is uh, a mutual uh, interest on ours yes. uh, on both of our parts. Um, yes, so let let's do that after we go through uh, my favorite part of every show uh, and uh, hear your testimony because one of the things that we share each episode is hearing somebody's faith journey. Did did it start as a child in a Christian home? Did you find faith? At, uh, on your own and what led you to that journey and to that place? Well, well, believe it or not, I actually have a magic trick that goes along with that. So this is perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Now you'll have to bear with me because normally when I do this, I have a volunteer beside me, but I couldn't get a volunteer for tonight. So I'll just have to do this as best I can. Believe it or not, uh, I'm a little different than most Christian magicians. Your average Christian magician, I know that's saying one thing because we're not very average, but your average Christian magician is a Christian or a minister who wants to minister to people and he picks up magic later on. Now, I'm actually the opposite of that. I started doing magic when I was six. Now, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents were going to the Salvation Army when I was born. And when I was about in kindergarten or first grade, I think we started going to the Nazarene Church. Okay. And I'm still going there to this day. And, um, you know, I understood what, you know, being saved meant. It was told to me, and I had a grasp of it by the time I was uh, in fourth grade. 
And I remember praying this really quick prayer uh, in my bedroom saying, oh, dear Lord, please, I don't want to go to hell, basically, is basically what I was doing. Sure. And uh, I was still, you know, into magic and stuff like that. And then I actually had this idea. I would watch every magician on TV, and I actually remember thinking once, oh, one day I'm going to make them disappear. <laughs> but like a lot of people, I realized that God had a different plan than I did. Two of the, my greatest supporters as a child were my grandparents on my mom's side, and they were still in the Salvation Army. And the Salvation Army we used to attend had a gospel magician come for a whole week. And I think it was about the fourth night that they did an altar call. And, you know, I said, you know, I kind of made it, but I wasn't quite sure I had actually meant it. So it wasn't, it was the fact that they were talking about God wants to have a relationship with you through his son that finally hit me, and it wasn't out of fear. So even though I maybe prayed that quick prayer when I was in fourth grade, it wasn't until I was 13 that I, I jokingly tell people that's the night I became the great Scott. Because that was when, because that was when I realized there was more to magic than just, you know, being a performer. But here's something a lot of people don't talk about in their testimony. Even when they've accepted it, sometimes they still live with the attitude of, you're not the boss of me. And I could say I probably did that through a lot of my high school years, even though I knew Christ. And sometimes mm. you can make unwise decisions and place your life into the wrong hands. Mm. And when that happens, getting things back together under your own power can pretty much seem impossible. But if you place your life into the master's hands, <laughs> everything comes together wow romans eight twenty eight. all things do work together for those who love the lord amen <clears throat> and to maybe elaborate just a little bit on that i am someone who is one of those people who honestly in my opinion has one of the most boring testimonies on the face of the earth i have been clean and sober my whole life never touched drugs never touched alcohol Magicians are actually encouraged not to because it slows down your dexterity. Mm. And uh, I'm going to be 44 next month. I've uh, never been, I basically have no skeletons in my closet whatsoever. I have, it's all been eclipsed by this insatiable desire to perform. Yeah. And uh, that's, I mean, I, I wish I had more for you, but it's, it's basically, it really is that simple. It really is that simple. And thankfully God got a hold of me and not Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. It, here's something that, I, I in in doing something like two hundred uh, of these interviews uh, so far, is that there are some that feel almost, and I'm not saying that you 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 feel this way, but that they it almost feels like they're ashamed that they don't have that that powerful sin that God helped them overcome. And the way I look at it is, every salvation story is a miracle. Every salvation story is worthy, and there's none better than others because it's all pointing to the same place. And there are there are a lot of people who grow up in Christian homes that choose to become gospel callous to where it doesn't make a difference in their life anymore. They've heard it over and over again, and they've given up on it. So the fact that you're still able to, having been immersed in it, still find it and make it your own, that's still a miracle. And that's something worthy of celebration and never to be downplayed as, oh, I have a boring story. You don't. You yeah, well. To be honest with you, I know where some of those people, it breaks my, there's a lot of people I grew up with in youth group who sadly are not walking with the Lord today. Mm -hmm. And I understand how, I mean, one of the reasons why I got into Christian movies, I'm not going to name names here, but 
there's a whole bunch of Christian movies that I can think of where no matter what the story is, no matter what's going on, you can find the same John 3.16 speech in a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And it gets to the point where as a believer, you're watching it, you're trying to enjoy it, and you're like, oh, here we go again. And I'm like, man, I'm a believer who's getting tired of hearing the gospel. Right. You know what I mean? So you can't, but thankfully, I'm someone who has also seen enough to know that I cannot walk away from this. <laughs> right. I cannot. It's got to, because if I, if I walk, I'm walking away from something I already know is the truth if I do that. So yeah. while I might have suffered from fear of missing out at times, to, to, to quote my Sunday school teacher when I told him this very same thing. He said, Scott, you don't have to fall off a bridge to know you don't want to fall off it. Right. So. Absolutely. Good word. Cool. So uh, before uh, a moment ago, we mentioned that we both uh, really are, are huge fans of Vindication. You've had uh, many of the cast uh, on your roundtable shows, and yes. I've had a few of the cast uh, uh, on this podcast. I've uh, had uh, Venus Monique, Todd Terry, Jared uh, O'Flaherty. Uh, back when I was doing only audio versions, I had Candace Kirkpatrick on, uh, and we talked about Vindication. So, you know, we're huge fans, and uh, it's really exciting to see Christian faith-based productions that aren't afraid of going there. They they still right. uh, come out clean. It still fits to the uh, what what we do. Our comedy is I say we use a Philippians four eight filter. You know, whatever is good and pure and noble and praiseworthy. Um, and if we can filter through that, then it's going to be good and honoring to God. And, and Jared is able to do that. So where, where, uh, when did you first find Vindication and what, what hooked you to the show? Um, what for, uh, it was Sean Justice who uh, directed Reconciler, Lucifer from the Father. He had asked me if I had seen it. Hmm. He, had got, he had found it. For, how he found it, I don't know. But I, I watched it when it was on Amazon Prime, and I'd say it kind of got me hooked. What got me hooked is, you know, I'm a man of God, but I'm also a cop. I'm also a cop show junkie. I admit it. I, I like mm -hmm. it's um, when you're a magician, you like mysteries. What can I say? Now, do I wish to the dear Lord that a lot of the mysteries and cop shows were a lot less gory and a lot less sexually graphic these days? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that comes down to why I like Vindication. Twin Master, the movie that Sean and I have been trying to make for 13 years, mm -hmm. it's a thriller and it's a detective story. It's basically all of my education on how the procedural crime drama works put into a script that honors God. Nice. And does it, and does it in a way that you can... Another thing that I think sometimes people will misunderstand is they'll be like, oh, this thing glorifies violence. Don't confuse violence with suspense. They're not the same thing. Like the Recon the Reconciler is a very suspenseful movie. If you guys want, you can check it out. By the way, uh, just a little commercial. You can check out uh, this on Amazon Prime. It okay. is now available. It's also available on the Christian Movies um, YouTube page. Uh, you'll have to watch it with commercials, though. So I'm in the movie. I play Ed, and I co-wrote it with Sean. But anyway, okay. it's an example. Do you know? Do you want to know what people have called the Reconciler? What's the that? Faith-based version of Saw. Hmm. If you can believe that. <laughs> or saw with no gore is another word. But anyway, it's a, but it's a, it's, um, it, to be honest with you, there have been some suspenseful movies that I was, that I would look at and I would go, man, that thing was so well written story-wise. Why was it full of F-bombs and gory violence? You know what I mean? So I right. wanted to, so I've spent my years studying the crime genres and 
like pulling out the elements that I in my head, pulling out the elements that I believe work and leaving all the leaving all the stuff that, as you said, does not fall under Philippians 4, 8 behind. And it looks to me one of the reasons why I was drawn to vindication was it looks like Jared cracked that code and he cracked it big time. <laughs> I was stunned to find out that Mr. Mr. O'Flaherty had never watched the cop show before. I was, yeah. I was, I was because he clearly understands the cop show formula and the cop genre. Yeah, he does. He knows how to keep an audience hooked. He knows how to do. Uh, he knows how to do a nonlinear storytelling with flashbacks, which has become very popular in television these days, especially with shows like This Is Us, just to name one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, I I really I appreciate the fact as I, I mentioned as we transition into this topic is I really appreciate that he goes there. Um, the yes. the first episode, which was uh, just a short film that became the uh, catalyst was about adultery was about a guy caught right. in this thing where he had committed adultery in his heart, though he never got to the physical uh, adultery right. Right. and God intervened to prevent him from getting caught into the yeah. physical adultery, which would have ended his life. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so he went there in the first one and then uh, all these film festivals are telling Jared, Hey, you should really follow this, uh, uh, this detective Travis. We think he's an interesting character. And so then yeah. they start going on with, uh, with the story. Yeah. He go, yeah. Detective Travis falls into the history of television characters like Steve Urkel and Fonzie on happy days that were supposed to be like this one throwaway acting job that ended up becoming their own show. Right. And I, I don't know if Todd Terry would appreciate that or, or feel insulted by being compared to the Fonz and to Urkel, but to, Hey, Hey, if it if it ends up giving him a steady paycheck, I'm sure he appreciates it. <laughs> well, actually, when it, when I used them on one of my before I was doing the roundtables, I was doing what I called virtual volunteer segments, which were a combination of me interviewing people and doing a magic trick with them. And uh, Todd was one of my guests, so I I actually already mentioned that to him. Okay, nice, nice. Todd, um, if you're watching, I hope you understand. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, in the second episode. Um, I can't remember the the young lady's name, but they had, uh, they brought in the you know this brilliant young actress to deal with sexting and and right. sharing, you know, you know, uh, yeah. um, really giving into the pressure of sharing to her boyfriend what uh, wasn't his to see and how it, right. it cost her dearly, and the fact that they went went there again to address it to show how it can be addressed, how it can be dealt with without. Yeah. <laughs> You know, without splitting families apart or what have you, but right. You know, I see all these news reports about celebrities' photos. You know, getting hacked off their phone or whatever, and then they're crying about it's my phone, it's my problem. You never should have been taking those photos in the first place. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the one thing I cannot get my mind around. To be honest with you, I'm like, you don't have anything on your phone you don't want hacked. You know what I mean? So right. And for me, I'm thinking, you know, being maybe cynical is like. You're probably not that upset that they got out because now you're back in the public eye. Now you're, you know, yeah. your your stock is rising. Yeah. But, um, but for me, my favorite episode, and because uh, I work with women who survive sex trafficking, uh, the episode uh, called the gentleman or reverse trafficked, um, right. with where well, the guys rescuing people and right and uh, Travis can't get his head around it. Right. Exactly. And. It's just the just the idea of 
how cool would it be to be that independently wealthy that you could go and buy freedom? And what's unfortunate here is you know that there are people in the church or people who call themselves Christians who would be aghast at the idea of buying uh, somebody's freedom because you're just giving money to those, those handlers and you're making them rich. Uh, They're going to get rich anyway, but at least you're, don't get, you, don't get me started on the guilty by association hypocrisy that's in a lot of churches. But, right. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So, I know you and I are both really excited also about season three, which is getting ready to film in the next uh, few weeks. Um, so, you know, this is not spoilers because we're, we're friends with Jared. We talked to Jared, but we have no idea where he's going season three. What is your prediction for who's going to be in the body bag? <laughs> you sure you don't want to start a debate here? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I know because I ran by my I ran my theory by you once before, and you disagreed with it. So yeah, I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about that here in the last few minutes. Okay, fine. all right, fine. In my <laughs> personal opinion, and some and some of this has to do with now. What? Okay, I don't think this is really a secret, but you know, vindication never knows when they're going to have another season mm-hmm. after the one that they've done. And Jared fully admitted that um, uh, he did that ending with the body bag so that he would more guarantee a season three. Mm -hmm. But he's not sure that there's going to be a season four. Right. Okay. He's not sure there's going to be a season four. So the next season we're getting, there's a chance that could be the end of it. Okay. So I realize that this is a show that takes place in the real world. And I know that it's a show that is not afraid to, as you say, go there. Okay. But... Given the way that um, Tomlinson really has it out for Travis now because he is such a bad cop incarnate and he's the police chief, Mm -hmm. I cannot see this show functioning if he stays the police chief. Now, maybe Jared is more creative than I'm giving him credit for, and he has a whole idea of how that can happen. You know what I mean? Maybe a whole season about how Travis works under a police chief he knows is corrupt as heck. You know what I mean? Right. But my my theory would be it's Tomlinson who's dead because Jared already revealed on my roundtable that one of the things that we're going to do is see flashbacks to the, to the uh, year and a half in between season two and one and two. Mm-hmm. And we're going to learn how Tomlinson went bad. In my opinion, it makes more sense to see that as a writer if he's the one who's dead. Sure. Okay, that's just that's just my opinion. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I think that sometimes sometimes when you reveal a sometimes when you reveal a big mystery as a writer, one thing that you can do is have it just lead to more questions. Like right. I said that I really lo- I really loved the uh I really loved the procedural crime drama. There was a show that was on called Elementary that was a uh, modern day version of Sherlock Holmes. Sure, yeah, absolutely. There's one episode that they did that is totally brilliant. Within the first seven minutes of the episode, you know who the killer is. But he was a hired gun, and it's about who hired him. And the person who could have hired him doesn't make any sense. It's just great writing, but you know who pulled the trigger in the first seven minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's more. So it's more like okay. In the first, so sometimes shows will do things like that. In the first seven minutes, you'll know who the killer is, but why they did it will keep you guessing. I can totally see Jared doing. In the first two seconds of Vindication season three, you will know who's dead, but how they died and where everybody else is. Is something you'll have to wait a couple episodes to find out. And 
we might not know the exact scenario of ha assuming that it is Tomlinson. If it is Tomlinson, the way I would do it if I was writing it is I would have it be Tomlinson and intercut with the flashbacks to how Tomlinson went bad is Todd Terry trying to solve his murder and find out where Chris is and where Anthony is and are they all right and what actually happened that led to that. Yeah. Well, when we had the round table with that's the what cast, I, That's what I would do. That's what I would yeah. do. Now, Jared probably has a much better idea than that, but that's what I would do. When we had the round table with the cast, it, it was ban uh, bantered about that uh, season three of Indication is going sci-fi and it's actually <laughs> Travis looking at Travis in the body bag. No, 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 no. Todd Terry has a good sense of humor about those things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, for me, I, I'm thinking that the only way you're, the uh, the early reveal works is if it is Tomlinson. I think that if it's anybody else, there has to be a build. There has to be a story of why this character is being knocked off. I th I think that if it's if it's Chris, if it's Chris Tanner, you have to build towards that. If it, if it's um, uh, Anthony, yeah, if it's him, you have to build towards that. But if it's Tomlinson, right. then you can do the big reveal and then explain why his life ended up there. Yeah, I, there, was I feel... a fourth, there was a fourth person in that garage that was a throwaway character, you know, one of Tomlinson's crony, uh, yeah. like um, henchmen or whatever. But Todd Terry wouldn't have been upset at his death; he wouldn't have even known him. So it's not it's not a bad guy. Yeah, there was the henchman that was. Uh, like the club owner that that uh, um, Trey went in to meet, and then there was also the building owner that owned the place that the uh, the creepy Instagram photo guy, right? Uh, who drove the DeLorean. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was a great touch. Is this creepy guy is driving in a DeLorean? Um, but then you know that building owner, he's very creepy, and he he was he was the catalyst to reveal just how dirty. Tomlinson was. Tomlinson was. Yeah, because that's who he was on the phone with when the creepy right. photo guy got busted. So it could be that little scrawny guy, and then they just spend the season developing him. But I think Tomlinson, it, if it's him, it's a big reveal at the beginning, and then we follow his story of how he went from kind of this almost aloof sergeant to now, you know, the the dead police chief who was really right. Right. So uh, and it would be a way for Steve Mokate to stay in the show, even though it was him, because of all the flashbacks. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We we do know this because of what Jared said. Whoever is in the body bag has not been fired from the show because that character is going to be seen in the flashbacks. They're going to do. Yeah. In my that's favorite, the, that's the one thing about television becoming so flashback happy. Just because your character's dead doesn't mean you're out of work as an actor. Yeah, look at This Is Us. Uh, they killed off Jack in the first season. Oh, yeah, and Jack, worked... Jack's been dead for 20 years since the show started, and yet he's still technically the star of the show. Right. <laughs> so uh, really excited to see what they do in season three and uh, see who's in the body bag. I, I jokingly kept uh, saying that it's the uh, the person in the body bag is a pure flex exec that doesn't renew the season, uh, the show for the next season. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, really excited for the next season. Uh, you and I are both in the Vindy Nation group uh, to share the conversation. So uh, if anybody uh, uh, is not yet in it, come join the conversation. If you've never seen the show, come learn about it. Uh, you connect with some of the actors and, and even some of the crew, as well as uh, the writer, uh, uh, Jared uh, O'Flaherty. Now, uh, Scott, 
as you know from uh, seeing our episode uh, with Todd Terry a few weeks ago, we have two final segments. Uh, one is uh, called the interrogation. Seven quick questions that otherwise wouldn't have fit in the interview. And then I'll be asking you your wise counsel uh, for anybody who wants to use their gifts for God's glory. So let's get started with the interrogation. First question. Uh, who is in your music playlist? Who's in my music playlist? Um, a gospel group called the Three Heath Brothers. Um, the Hart Twins, who are two people I think you should look into having on this show and the Heath, Bro- and the Heath Brothers. Um, I listened to Hanson, believe it or not. I've been listening mm. to them ever since I was in college. Um, I, uh, when it, at Christmas time, I'm always listening to Amy Grant's Christmas album. Okay. Then yeah. I, I have this one playlist that's called Songs I Like that are song styles and artists all over the map. Half of them, I can't even remember who sings them. It's just, I hear a song I like, I put it on my playlist. Okay. And half the time, I couldn't tell you what the album was from or whatever. So my play, I think my playlist is too lengthy to actually mention them all, but those are a few right there. I, I have one playlist called Sibling Bands. I've always loved bands that are sibling. And on that, on that I have a group called uh, Taylor Red, which is three triplet sisters. Uh, the Harp Twins, as I mentioned. Uh, the Bacon brothers, Kevin Bacon and his brother Michael, who sing together. Okay. And Hanson. <laughs> so. <laughs> Very good. Uh-huh. Number two, what is your uh, favorite comfort food? Cheeseburgers, definitely. Cheeseburgers. Uh, have you had an Impossible Burger? Uh, yeah, and I never will again. <laughs> <laughs> I have not yet been that brave, so I probably will never do the Impossible Burger. I tried an Impossible Burger at Wahlburgers, and then the second time I tried it, it wasn't as good as the first time. I don't know what yeah. happened. So I gave up on them. Yeah. So how do you relax? How do I relax? Uh, I lay on the couch that's about 10 feet away from me right now, and I will uh, watch something on Amazon, a show on Amazon Prime. I bought it. There's nothing on TV. Okay. All right. Do you have any regrets or things that you wish you could do over? Maybe I would uh, put a little bit more effort in school if I had a chance to do it over. I basically C plus my way through school. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think um, maybe I would have, this is a little bit maybe too personal, but I think that I maybe would have been a little bit more courageous in trying. I'm, I'm, I'm such a workaholic. I'm about to turn 44 and I'm still single, mm-hmm. but it's not, some people say it's not for lack of trying. In my case, it is for a lack of trying. I never really, I've, I've always been better independent. Independent. I guess there, there's a part of me that wishes I would have tried that a little bit more. Again, if it's too personal, I apologize. But oh no, it, the, this platform is for you, and maybe uh, you know, cathartic just to get some of these things out. So feel free. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Uh, question number five. Um, other than Jesus, which is a e- easy and obvious answer, uh, what character from Scripture has taught you the most? Hmm. That's a tough one. I guess I got to go with uh, Peter, not only because he wrote the book that has my life verse, but also because talk, talk about a guy who uh, messed up a lot and still got forgiven for it. So, yeah. And put his foot in his mouth a lot. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One minute he's being told it's on this rock. I will build my church. And a few verses later, Get behind me, Satan. Right. So that, that that's a tough rise and fall for any man. 
Question number six. What is something few people know about you? I'm not sure. I really kind of live my life on my sleeve. <laughs> really, I'm not that. Um, let me see. Let me see if I can think of something real quickly. What is something not a lot of people know about me? Hmm. It's sad when you can't think of anything, really. <laughs> huh, no problem. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, move on to uh, question seven. Uh, you and I have both submitted uh, for a couple of the roles for season three. Um, what would your ideal role be on Vindication? Well, um, I actually had this idea many years for, uh, all, with all the cop shows that I've been watching. And I think it's an issue. I mentioned this to Jared. It's an issue that I don't think Vindication would, um, have trouble tackling. When you are a single man who entertains kids for a living, you got to be the epitome of extra careful. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. One of my rules is I can never be the only adult in the room. And I've actually sadly seen it happen. Again, not going to mention names. But, uh, you know, you have one small little misunderstanding is a career ender when you're a magician. And believe it or not, early in my career, I got looked upon as strict because I was being almost panicky to the point of being extra careful. Gotcha. So I always had this idea for a cop show about one of the main cops knew this magician who like entertained his kids parties who got falsely accused. And um, he decided to make it his mission in the episode to clear the magician's name. Now, what I would say, what I would say to anybody who wrote it that I give this idea to, this would be the one rule I would give them. You can take this story any way you want. The magician cannot, can just not be guilty. You can have him guilty of anything else. Like for example, one twist that I thought was, is the reason for the misunderstanding was the magician was innocent of child molestation, but he was guilty of like, say having an affair with the kid's mom or something. Yeah. And that's why the misunderstanding, that's why the misunderstanding happened. So you could take, in other words, they could take the story anywhere they wanted to. Like this guy wasn't squeaky clean, but he wasn't that. You know what I mean? Right. And and uh, that that's a role that I thought would be willing to tap because I think I could really get the emotion of how sad I would be if I was in that situation. So that I think that would be a ro- I think on a cop show like Vindication, that would be a role that I would want to tackle if they decided to go there. That's excellent. I, I really I can see that. And for me, as somebody that's a part of an improv troupe, that's just me and six other, and six women. I kind of have the same fear of i want to protect them and their husbands and their marriages yeah not because i don't only avoid evil but the appearance of it as well exactly because i and that's why i kind of encourage and really appreciate that my wife comes to all the rehearsals and shows so that there is that appearance of accountability not that there would be anything that would happen uh without her there but again the appearance of evil the the inference of one dude alone in a building with a bunch of right. women, you know, that's scandalous, but uh, yeah, it's kind of the, you know, the it's big... actually it's, it's funny that even works its way into the Mario show as well, because my best friend, Ben, who plays Luigi, he's been happily married to his uh, college sweetheart uh, ever since they were in college. They have four kids mm-hmm. and uh, his wife is just wonderful for letting, uh, for sharing her husband with me as my best friend. And uh, letting me cart off to all these kids' parties and, you know, play around with him. And 
he's the best friend I've ever had. I've known him for over 20 years, and we can read each other. We can predict. No one could have played my brother except him because I don't have a brother in real life. Mm-hmm. And um, the one thing, the one character that will never be in the Mario players is Princess Daisy. Because Princess Daisy is Luigi's love interest in the Mario game. So what we do is we do this joke so Ben doesn't have to take off his wedding ring. We say, oh, Luigi and the Princess of Daisy are married now and they have four kids. Okay. And this, and this allows us to not have to have like, because if I had an actress there, because Ben's wife is not an actress. She's very, she's very, sh- she's very shy. They're the, they're the epitome of opposites attracting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would never get her on a stage. His daughters are another story, but I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, but anyway, um, so the last thing I would ever do is put my my happily married friend in a situation where he has to pretend to be all sweet on another actress who would probably be younger than him. Because mm, right. I would not want to, Eva's not, uh, I just gave her name away. <laughs> Ben's <laughs> wife is nice enough to, to um, be great about Ben performing with me and stuff like that. So I, I, I would always want to be respectful of her and their marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, it's cool to see somebody else that's, that understands, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, um, the anxiety and, and sometimes the fear of just that appearance and really being well, cognizant of, of how things look. When you're about to turn 44 and you've been single your whole life, people make assumptions, unfortunately. So kind of comes with the territory. And, and it's one of those unfortunate things because it, a 44-year-old single woman never married would never face that kind of right. that kind of question. And it's unfortunate. And, and it's unfortunate because unfor- there are enough stories that are covered that make people wonder. But, uh, yeah. yeah. That, uh, what I can't get over. What I can't get over is that there are some adults that I have to actually explain this to. I used to do... Um, table hopping restaurant magic at a mcdonald's for a kid's night mm-hmm. and uh one night i'm there and there's a dad with his three kids uh for for dinner and i go over and i start to, i do like two tricks at each table i go over and i start doing the trick the dad gets up to get ketchup and napkin so i step back okay mm-hmm. i start performing more he forgot something so he goes back so i step back he comes back and he goes oh i'm not watching you can keep performing and i'm like no i can't he's like why not and he goes because you're the only grown-up at this table and he's like oh oh, oh i'm sorry yeah so <laughs> yeah yeah, and it's it's just a good rule of thumb: protect you, protect the kids. Exactly. So uh, yeah, all right. Well, Scott, the uh, the final question we ask every episode is uh, for anyone that wants to step up and use their gifts for God's glory, whether it's magic, whether it's music, whether it's acting, comedy, whatever it may be. What would your wise counsel be for that person? Don't let anybody tell you that you can't. <laughs> That's. A- <laughs> That's the best. That's the best I got. One of the guys who's in my Mario group is his name is Justin, and he's never wanted to be anything but an actor. But he's a type one narcoleptic, and oh. people will not let because because the guy is gets can be scared to sleep. People won't hire him for stuff. You know, mm. if they discriminated against someone because of their color for their skin, they get sued. But no, apparently, discriminating for that is okay. So I did. So that's the reason why I have, he plays shy guy. That's the reason why I have him in the group. Yeah. Because I'm going to give him a chance where nobody else did. Yeah. And therein is your ministry is, you know, allowing people a chance to do what's on their heart. And you, that opens the door to ministry, whether or not he's, you know, saved, he at least gets to experience that inclusion and that love of Christ through that, that uh, simple gesture. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 
Well, uh, Scott, it, it's been a pleasure spending so much time with you one-on-one. Um, I want to encourage everybody to uh, find your Facebook pages and also uh, uh, find you at uh, greatscottmagician.com. Uh, and uh, next week uh, we will have uh, Steve Rivera, owner of Gettys Comedy Club in uh, Indianapolis and in Minneapolis. Uh, we'll be talking about comedy and also the Gutties Metaverse. Uh, we'll be talking about that next weekend uh, or next week right here on Gifts for Glory. Uh, so I see a card in your hand. It looks like you have one more trick for us. I was just about to ask that. Do we have time for a trick before we go? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay. Now, this is a trick I have to move the camera so you can see this table that I've been putting everything on during this show. So I wanted to save this one potentially to last so that you could. Uh, so let me just move down here. Oh, hold on. Uh, okay. Can you see the top of this table? Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is another Uno card trick. Well, I'll, you know what? I'll let you decide. Would you like to see another Uno card trick or would you like to see something else? Sure. It uh, looks like you're ready for the uh, Uno, so go ahead with that one. Okay. So once again, I'm still working on a gospel application for this one. I don't have it yet. But once again, we have the four sevens here. Now, you see the four corners of this table? Mm-hmm. Dave, I want you to tell me which color to put in each corner. First of all, pick a color. Uh, let's go with uh, blue. Okay. Which corner do you want blue in? I'll go uh, your bottom right. Over here? Yeah. Okay. Can you still see that there? Okay. Yeah. Pick another color. Uh, we'll go with uh, the red. Uh, go diagonally across from the seven, or from the blue. Okay. Over here. Yeah. All right. Pick another color. Last card's going to pick itself, obviously. Obviously. We'll put uh, the uh, yellow in the uh, corner closest to you. Okay. So green goes over here. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to put three cards on each of these. This is not the trick, by the way. This is just part of. (laughs) Okay. Now, what was the last card you picked? The last card you picked was green, right? The last one, I uh, put the yellow closest to you. Yeah, but the last one I put down was green, right? Right. Okay, yeah. Okay. So since that was the last one I put down, that's where we're going to end. So we're going to rewind and start over here. Okay. Now, remember, you picked this order, so I couldn't have known that. All right? Right. Okay. What's on the blue card? On the blue card are these three blank instructional cards. This one has switch hands with another player. Uh, Mm -hmm. written in because it allows you to come up with your own rules but here's what we're going to do we're going to take this blue seven right here we're going to turn it over and have it face the other three cards so we got these three instructional cards and we have a blue seven right Mm -hmm. Hmm. huh All right. Yellow seven next. On the yellow seven, we have, once again, the card that everybody loves to dish out, but everybody hates to get. And you said families have been broken up by the draw four (laughs) wild Okay, now watch this. This time I'm going to make it a little simpler. I'm going to turn this over and have it face the other cards. But you might think it's gone already, so let me show it to you that it's still there. You see the yellow seven? Yep. Uh Uh-huh.
I'm moving these around so you can see I'm not holding two cards together. Okay. Okay. Red seven is next. Have you ever heard the expression, now you see it, now you don't? Yes. Well, you have to remember that for this. On the red seven, we have the card that anybody can play at any time because it can be anything, which is the wild card. Now, I'm going to take this red seven and have it turn over so that it faces the other cards. But if I turn the pack this way and flip through these, seven's going to be up and the other cards are going to be down, right? Mm -hmm. Now you see a red seven, right? Now you see a wild card. Mm. What's left? The green seven. The green seven. Which was the last one I put down, right? Because of the order that you picked. Right. And I couldn't have known that that was going to be the last one I was going to put down. And I really didn't, by the way. Huh. So now everybody that's watching this is going to watch in slow-mo on YouTube and on Facebook try to figure this one out. (laughs) Exactly. Good stuff. Good job. So uh, for those listening, uh, greatscottmagician.com, and uh, he's got links to his IMDB page, as well as YouTube and Facebook there. And also uh, search for uh, Lucifer and the Father, the short film that, uh, that he's already got out there. And uh, also, uh, be well, sure to it's like. Got, it's not out there yet. It's coming out soon. Okay, it's coming out soon. Sorry about that. And then also be yeah, sure to. Reconciler is the one that's already out. Reconciler is out. You can find that on Amazon Prime, and uh, and, YouTube. You find, and YouTube, and you can find uh, the Great Scott music uh, magician, not musician, magician uh, at at TGSMP and the Mario Players at Mario Players on Facebook. Uh, so be sure to like, follow, and uh, uh, check out the different things he's got going on. Scott, thank you so much for uh, being on Gifts for Glory. Well, thanks for having me. It was it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you for coming. And uh, again, next week, join us for Steve Rivera from Gutty's Comedy Club and Gutty's Metaverse. We're going to be talking about comedy, clean comedy, and what it's like to be a business owner and uh, all the different things going on at the two Gutty's locations. So until uh, next week, we will... Uh, We hope you have a blessed week and thanks for tuning in. 